blue wire. Think about Lois. Fires to the end zone. Touchdown! Alabama wins! Elliott. Dodge the eye of this national championship win. A deep throw by Lawrence. A lot of contact. Justin Ross broke free from it. He's down in the end zone. Touchdown, Clemson. Welcome into episode 157 of Press Pass. Kayla Anderson here with Joshua Perry. And it is Combine Week up in Indianapolis. Mm. And we actually have a couple of our teammates in the sports uh, team here at News 2 going. I'm not going to go. I have to to hold the house down back home. But I think it's... I know, right? I've never actually been to the Combine, Joshua. And that's the one thing I would like to at least go up for a couple of days. But I do get to see... You know, I watch all of it and I and I see what they're doing and, and you get all the interviews and, and stuff like that. But for you, this is something totally different in terms of how you look at it because you've actually been to the Combine as an athlete. Yes, I have. Um, it is, first off, it's a great experience from the standpoint of it's one of the stepping stones on trying to achieve your dream. Right. It's right. Uh, it's a part of the process. It's televised. You get to be in front of personnel from all 32 teams, especially for guys whose pro days might not be as extensive as what you would see at maybe like Pitt this year, what typically happens at Ohio State or Alabama. Like this is a really good opportunity for players to showcase not only their athletic abilities, but their personalities in front of teams. At the same time, it's probably the most stressful event that's going to happen pre-draft. Like, yeah. It's more stressful than a pro day. It's more stressful than a team workout. It's more stressful than a team visit because you are trying to do so many things in a couple of days. There are medical evaluations. There is a drug test. Um, there are cognitive evaluations. And then there's the on-field workout. It is absolutely a whirlwind. But, um, you know, I appreciate my experience there for what it was. Yeah, and I remember talking to you before about this, but as a like a prospect going into something like this, there is so many nerves. I mean, it's let's be honest, it's a lot of it is is based on, you know, what they're going to say about your 40 time or what they're going to say about, you know, a, a, the bench press in in particular positions but the most nerve-wracking part I think for some of these athletes is the actual interviews Mm -hmm. it's um the interview process is definitely a difficult one because they're trying to get to know your personality but they're also trying to get to understand your football IQ and Mm -hmm. so you'll be asked questions in some of these interviews by one member of the coaching staff about your upbringing about your schooling you know, about your family. And at the same time, there will be another member of the staff who will be asking you questions about cover two or cover three or cover four or cover one or whatever it is. They'll put you up on the board. They will teach you a defense and they'll sit you down. They'll ask you a bunch of questions. They'll get you off topic. What's your favorite restaurant? What's your favorite food? What are your hobbies? (laughs) All kinds of different stuff. And then they'll say, okay, get back up on the board and drop that base coverage that I showed you at the beginning of the meeting. Like there are so many different things they're trying to understand. They're trying to understand what you know about football. They're trying to understand how you learn, how you um, absorb knowledge. 
They are trying to figure out what your, uh, not only your personality, but what your character is like. And a lot of times they're asking you questions about yourself that they probably have the answer to because they do extensive research beforehand. They have like a whole security and investigative team that goes out and they'll talk to like your middle school teachers. I'm not exaggerating when I tell you that one of my teachers from middle school said, hey, such and such from whatever team reached out and they were asking about what you were like in middle school. And I'm like, dude, first off, it's crazy. Second off, I'm glad I was a good middle schooler. Third of all, people change over time. Uh, Who I was in middle school is definitely not who I am now. And especially if you're a kid who maybe was a little bit wayward and got in trouble in middle school, but, you know, start to get serious when you realize what your future could look like as an athlete. Um, It's wild. But yeah, I mean, it's so the worst part about it, let's get into the worst part about it, is yeah. um, the medical. So yeah. what okay. they do okay. is they, they pick you right up from the airport and yeah. they take you straight to the hospital. And Ooh. at the hospital, you get uh, MRI, full body MRI, you get x-rays on all of your joints, you get CAT wow. scans, they, all kinds of different stuff. And and you'll see it every year. There's a, a kid who has a heart defect that nobody knew about until it was found at the combine or, sure. um, you know, somebody has a torn whatever that they um, either didn't disclose or didn't really know about because they just fought through the pain the whole time. All those things pop up. So I go into the hospital and they're doing all these x-rays and an x-ray on my knee comes back uh, flagged. Ugh. And th- I'm like, what the hell is going on? Because I've, I've had like knee injuries, but I never had any like, um, anything that was serious where I was out an extended amount of time. And right. what it turned out to be was basically a, um, a non-ossifying tumor in my knee. Uh, sounds so a what, lot worse. What it, what yeah. It is. I was just going to say, I mean, the, anytime you say tumor, I'm like, Ugh. yes. So it's technically um, just like a space in your knee where bone tissue didn't fill in. And so there's like this fibrous tissue in there and okay. it is um, completely benign. Like, it's not a problem. I don't have any sure, issues. Sure. It ended up not being an issue, but it was a headache because then I had to spend basically like all night at the hospital while they kept running tests and they were doing all kinds of different stuff. And oh, so wow. where that hurts you is you're expected to be up with the rest of the group the next day for all the different activities that are going on. And then the day after that, they wake you up hella early, uh, like 4 a.m. for a drug test, which I don't understand why they think it's necessary to wake. 4 a.m.? Uh, clear. Yes, for a drug screen, but you go and you piss in a cup. Oh. Um, it's it's not very eventful, but you got to make <laughs> this sure. This sounds like, awful. Well, if you weren't hydrating the night before, then you're just sitting in the hallway, like pounding Gatorade <laughs> so you can pee. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, that's the experience. What people generally get to see is, you know, such and such running is 40 or the quarterbacks throwing to the wide receivers, those types of things. What goes on behind the scenes for the bulk of the time there is extremely tedious and it's meant to be stressful like they want to see what you look like under stress in an environment that is not comfortable um but yeah i mean it's it's a a hell of a time how much do you really i mean because we put so much into like the 40 that's that's what like everybody wants to watch right and rightfully so it's the most entertaining part of the combine is to see some of these lightning fast players um try to beat their own times but how much can you really take out of something like that I mean can that really boost somebody from 
this level to another level just based on a 40 time? Is that fair? Um, it's not fair. I've seen it happen rarely where a team is just so wowed by a workout that a guy like shoots up the draft boards. But um, you watch a lot of tape to figure out something about a guy. I, I think it's really fun to watch. I think there are things that you can tell, though, um, where if a guy has a, a fast 40, if he has a really good broad jump, um, you know, uh, a good vertical or they've got a nice short shuttle, like those are things that, you know, if they've got a combination of a 40 and a, uh, a broad or a vertical jump, that's like lights out. That's a really explosive player. And you can make a decision on whether you think you can turn them into a better football player. If somebody's got a really good short shuttle, then you know that they've got a really good quickness and change of direction. They probably bend very well. Um, and those are certain things that you can't teach. You can teach the other parts about football. Uh, mm -hmm. But for a lot of guys, like if you were a guy who ran an extremely fast 40 or you had yeah. an extremely good broad jumper vertical, um, but on tape you didn't play like that, then it, it adds some more questions. Like how come you can't play the way that mm -hmm. you can run when you test? Or how come you don't look as right. explosive on tape is what your numbers say? Um, and so it's a little bit of a, a double-edged sword. The other question that I had was just in terms of there's there's so much talent there all at one time. And clearly you're working a lot within your position groups. But how much time do you get to, to maybe go out to dinner with so-and-so from, you know, over at this school or another Big Ten school you know about or, or a buddy that you, you grew up with? I mean, how much is how much do you have time to kind of uh, hang out with these other athletes? I think I got like dinner with my agent one time uh, and so the rest it's of the not, time. Okay. Yeah. It's like that. And and part of the reason there, there was more free time, but um, I trained at Exos and they oh, rented yeah. a ballroom in one of the hotels and they had a like recovery suite that had uh, smoothies and snacks and they had a treadmill in there and they had, um, you know, massage therapists and all kinds of different things. So you could get your body ready for the workout. And so I spent a yeah. lot of time in there practicing my 40 start or, you know, sitting on the massage table, all those different things. And I feel like, um, you know, there's there's probably a time and place for the spending time with people because it is such a mental grind. But in the moment, you're, you're just thinking about how can I work out the best? And sure. so you end up spending time um, getting your body right. Well, it was interesting because we were a little bit unsure of if this year's combine up in Indianapolis, where it has been, um, was even going to happen because really right before what last week, the beginning of last week or the end of last week, um, they came out with this whole thing, this whole memo about how it was going to be restricted to a bubble, which I thought was crazy that they were doing that, A, that late. And we've seen all this other stuff open up. I mean, why, why would they go backwards for this? Um, so it was just really confusing, I think, to everyone. But then the players were like, well, we're not going to do the workouts, right? So yeah. that clearly was, was fixed, and, and they're going to Indy. So with saying that, we're going to get a combine. And, you know, there's some really good talent, like every single year. But when you look at, at this group as a whole, like, who are you in terms of position groups or maybe um, athletes in particular excited to see? Well, I'll, I'll comment on the um, on the bubble thing. 
I yeah. felt like that was a terrible idea. And this is not, um, you know, Joshua not giving a damn about the pandemic. This is right. to say that I bet you like 90% of the guys are probably more vaccinated anyway. Oh, yeah. And most of the team personnel and doctors and, you know, folks that would be associated with the event are vaccinated anyway. Um, and so it just, it never felt like it was that big of a threat for folks, like for it to be a, a super spreader for a lot of guys to get COVID before they worked out. Um, so it almost feels like they were being restrictive for not very good reasons. And, and for some guys, like this is, you know, this is a time, like you said, where they want to mingle and they want to go out to yeah. dinner and they want to, you know, do different things. Like they, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity. So um, I'm I'm glad that the players took a stand and said, listen, we, we want to have this be regular and we're going to be responsible enough with our opportunity not to, to make any dumb decisions. Um, in terms of guys I want to see work out, um, I'm very curious to see Chris Olave's workout yes. in terms of testing. Yeah. Yep. Um, he is a guy who I think is very fast. We've seen that on tape. Um, you, you're curious about how explosive he is. Um, and also like what his true measurements are going to be, how tall is he, how much is he going to weigh on okay. field? He's going to be phenomenal. Like he's a- as good as anybody, but the knock on him compared to some of the other receivers is like, Oh, we don't know if he's as explosive as a Garrett Wilson type. Like, you know, he doesn't have the size of, of uh, some of these other guys that are in the draft. Um, so I think this could just, you know, solidify who he is as an athlete. Um, the whole quarterback class in general, I want to see throw the football at the combine. Yeah. Um, this is a quarterback class that there aren't a, a ton of guys who are like, Oh, you know, right. this is a surefire number one Not overall as much type as guy. Last year. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Kenny Pickett, I think is a really good player. I want to see what he looks like. Um, you know, measurables, hand size, the whole deal that people talk about, uh, Matt Corral, similar type of situation, Malik Willis, uh, a guy who is a smaller school guy. they are always some of the guys that you really take a look at, um, in terms of what their performance is like, because they're not on a ton of big stages and you get to watch them because every game's on TV, but the level of competition that he was up against, you want to see him, you know, it's not like he's playing in a seven-on-seven scrimmage. You want to see him throw the ball to, to some of these guys and see what he looks like live, um, see what how he, he sizes up in comparison to some of these quarterbacks that were at uh, some of the bigger programs there. And then one of the things I always love is watching the offensive linemen. I love oh, watching yeah. big guys run. Yeah, um, yeah. And it's simply because you can you can get so much out of – how a big guy moves in his drills like are his feet heavy right is he is he a a a waist bender or a knee bender better yet does he have good ankle flexion can he bend at the ankles like people and this is me being a sports nerd but like people get (laughs) caught up on the waist bending thing which is a bad athlete right if you're a knee bender you're a good athlete but if you have good ankle flexion you can bend at the ankles you are a great athlete. It's yeah. a, it, basically think of the body as a Z, right? So okay. Uh, okay. at the hip, at the knee, and at the ankle, right? You want to be able to bend in all of those places the right way. And so for the big guys to see if they're stiff or not at, at some of their lower extremities, I think you could take a lot away from that because the guys who end up having longevity in the NFL are not just big dudes that their bodies are well put together. At that point in the game, everybody's big. It's about the guys who 
are very good benders and about the guys who um, have pretty much they have better athleticism than the other guys. Big dude with skinny ankles is what you're looking for in the combine. So I, I want to touch on offensive linemen, and, I, and I'm going to bring this here locally where I am in Nashville because the Tennessee Titans have a lot to figure out, not only in this offseason, but then what they want to do in the draft. And I will tell you one thing. This offensive line is getting up there in terms of age, and they're going to have to make some cuts um, in terms of not, you know, there's some free agents. They're not going to resign some of them. Um, and a lot of these guys are on the O-line in, in which they can kind of just let them go. And so they've got center Ben Jones um, and Rod- Roger Saffold that right now, you know, the talk is that those two could be gone. Now, you're going to have to replace them. And there are some guys and, and a guy that they drafted last year in Dylan Radins who, who didn't really play this year, uh, kind of was a slower learner, but seems to be on the right track. But regardless, they're going to have to draft an offensive lineman or two. And so the, the question right now, Joshua, is do they take one of these linemen in the first round with that 26 overall pick or, you know, whatever they decide to do with that. So I want to throw that out to you. Do you, would you take a lineman in the first round compared to maybe like a wide receiver? Cause I know Chris Olave's name has been thrown around yeah. as well. Yeah. I mean, what is, is, is it something that you, you can bet on and, 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 you know, have for the next 10 years, or is it something where you just wait until, the the later rounds like a second round or something so here is the exercise that they're going to do okay this is about value right so there are 32 first round picks there probably aren't 32 players top to bottom that you would give a first round grade to okay so in the first round there are only so many guys that are actually worthy of a first round pick right and so the other thing that goes with that is like based off a of team need, like you may need a first round caliber offensive lineman, but there's not mm-hmm. a first round caliber offensive lineman there. And when you start picking later in the right. draft, like picking at 26, um, yeah. you're down the line. What's yeah. the difference between, you know, uh, uh, a late first round pick. And exactly. if you could trade with somebody and you could get up into the early second round, they could get a late first round, pick. whatever the case is. Yeah, right? yeah. So I'm, I'm painting the picture here. So, what, what the Titans would be doing here is saying, okay, let's look at the wide receivers, which this is a uh, this is fairly deep for the it wide is. receivers when you start looking at some of the guys. You can say, okay, at 26, we could get a guy who other teams would pick in the top 20. Like he'd be a top 20 grade. For offensive linemen, I'm not very familiar with this offensive line class. Could you say the same thing? Right. And so – that will be the first part of the evaluation. But then the second part is, okay, but if we wait to go down the line for an offensive lineman, how deep is the class in general? And so that's where you start to reach on a guy where you say, okay, maybe this guy is a second round grade, but the guys that we would get in the second round are maybe fourth round grades in a typical year. Like we don't want to do that. Um, and so it is, it's a really unique exercise because your value as a draftable player is based off of what teams need. Based, mm-hmm. And then it's also based off of what everybody else around you is like. So 
if you're in a, a deep class, like you could be a first round graded guy and get taken early in the second round because the class is deep. If the class isn't deep and there is need around the league, you could be a third round grade and get taken at the top of the second round just because teams need your your position. Um, but that's going to be the exercise that these teams will go through when they start weighing it out. Like, okay, you know, we have a, a, a need at wide out. We have a need at offensive line. Okay, yeah. how many wideouts are there that we think are good? How many offensive linemen that we think are good? If we wait on a wide receiver, can we still get a guy that we believe is of the value where we would draft them versus if we wait on an offensive lineman? And then that's how they're going to make a decision. So another position that the Titans are really interested or not interested, let me rephrase that, that they need to uh, address is the tight end position. Okay. It was a complete joke last year uh, that there was really no tight end one when it came down to it. I mean, they named Jeff Swaim as tight end one. It just blew my mind that they never were able to figure out anything with that tight end position in upgrades last last year. And so a lot of the talk is, is possibly drafting a tight end. So where would a guy like Jeremy Rutgert go and, and what is the upside to him? So tight ends are, um, they're funny, right? So yeah. I think Jeremy Rutgert, is a very good tight end. Um, he is a guy who caught the ball at Ohio State. He was also used in line as a blocker. Um, yes, yes. The, okay, the, so he is a blocker. The way, yes, he, he can block. Okay. Um, the way that the NFL is set up right now, though, is your guy who's probably going to be the better blocker is the guy that you're going to go out and get in the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round, or maybe mm -hmm. even an undrafted guy. Um, mm -hmm. The guys who you spend the third round above money on in the draft are the guys who are going to be your, you know, hybrid tight end wide receiver guys. You think yes. of a Kyle Pitts yep. uh, out of this last draft, like he is a tight end body, but he's a wide receiver. And so that's why he ended up being, uh, was he a, a top five pick or whatever the yeah. case is. Um, you look at recent drafts, like a guy like uh, Jake Butt, was a pro yeah. style inline tight end, but he had really good uh, movement skills. He could run routes like a receiver. So he ended up being a third round pick. Nick Vanette's a guy I played with Vanette, similar yep. boat, same thing with a, a Jeff Hireman type. Right. Yep. And so um, I think the thing about him, and this is where the testing, the combine, the private workouts are going to come in is Ohio state never really utilized him in okay. that uh, wide receiver role. Sure. Not to say he didn't catch balls. He caught plenty of balls. But when you've got Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave and you got Jackson Smith and Jake Bud and Marvin Harrison Jr., like you ain't throwing it to the tight end split out like that. You're going to put a bunch of wide receivers on the field when you want to open up the offense because those are going to be your best playmakers. And they had a, you know, Garrett Wilson was a little bit of a taller guy, but he could also climb the ladder like a big wide receiver. So you didn't mm -hmm. need a 6'4 target out there. You could throw it up to the six foot guy and he could climb the ladder like he was 6'4. Um, so that's where it's an interesting case for evaluating some of these guys. Like those are the positions you really do due diligence on because you're trying to correlate a sample size that doesn't necessarily exist with what you want somebody to be able to do within your offense. And there are ways to figure it out, but it's, it's still, uh, it's, it's an art and a science at the same time. And I, I would assume too, like you've, you've clearly, you've got the pro day um, that you can, you know, you've got scouts coming to those things too. And most of these guys do participate in both, right? 
Yes. Um, all of our guys who were combine guys worked out the combine did pro day. The only difference is like, if you ran a good enough time at your, at the combine, you're probably not going to run the 40 again at pro day. You'll just do drills. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember I actually covered pro day there at Ohio state when I was there, which was, uh, just, I know we always talk about this when we, this time of the year, but it was so incredible. It was like a mini combine in a way. It was like yeah, the whole entire, the what, yeah. I mean, it was just yeah. full, you know, and yeah, every I single mean, coach. That's so like to paint the picture, you're going to get, um, if not all 32 GMs there, majority of the GMs, Yeah, you're going to get probably, you know, eight to 12 head coaches, which head coaches a lot of times don't want to come out to pro day unless they're really evaluating a guy that they know they're going to take in the first round. Um, you're, I mean, it's the Woody is absolutely packed. You're also going to have ESPN, NFL network, yeah. big 10 network, Fox, and all of the local news stations um, that are going to be out there to cover it as well. Um, I had the pleasure of covering as a reporter for big 10 last year, yeah. uh, big 10 network. And, and it was a great experience because I'm in a familiar area. And so, talking to Jerry Emick, who's the SID and, you know, he's giving me the rundown and telling me, Oh, you'll want to be here for this. And you'll, we'll get you set up here for that, which is great. He's the best in the business in terms of SIDs. Um, but also having a rapport with a guy like Ryan day is awesome. And I got to interview him for BTN um, having a rapport with the assistant coaches. So they could tell me, uh, you know, some of the things <laughs> that they had been hearing from yeah. NFL personnel or, or some of the things that they said, listen, I, I told my guys, this is what we need to to work on to get them draft ready. But also like, you know, I, I played for uh, three teams when I was in the NFL and I, uh, I had tryouts with um, a couple of others in my time playing and and leading into the draft, I got to meet a lot of personnel. Um, And so there are a ton of connections that I had with NFL front office people and talking to them throughout the workouts was really enlightening because they were explaining their processes to me and, how they evaluate them. And it's always funny when you talk to um, these guys, because, you know, a a guy from the Jets, for example, could have a completely different evaluation than a guy from the Jaguars. Right. But it's, it's all based off of what system and what type of athlete they like and um, you know, how they want to build around it and what they need. Um, So I, I thought it was a really fun and lightning experience. If you are a GM or, you know, head coach who's going up here for the combine, do you like this week or is this week just kind of like just a lot of talking, a lot of talking to the media, a lot of, I mean, do you get any sleep? Do you think I, I just, I'm, I'm looking at some of the video from John Robinson and Mike Rabel in the combines, <laughs> you know, and it's just, they're, they're all they're doing. like the whole time they're talking to radio row, they're talking to the media and then that doesn't even count evaluating. Yeah, no, these guys uh, stay up late and they like to hold court at uh, St. Elmo's. <laughs> oh, is that what fact, they do? Yes. Um, and hold on one sec. My, my computer is giving me something right now. Sorry. Um, and, and so, you know, they're, they, they got the media obligations that they like to fill in. It's really good PR for, a lot of these organizations, um, you know, sure. they talk about the season that they had in review and they talk about what they're going to do to get better and all those different things. And you get to see the personality of the coaches and the GMs, especially when they're not, you know, GM is public facing, but not nearly as public facing as a coach. But, um, you know, they, they also, it's a networking event for them as well. And so coaches yeah, are meeting sure. coaches and scouts are meeting scouts and 
um, you know, they they drink dark liquor at St. Elmo's and they eat some cocktail <laughs> together. Okay, thank you. I've got to ask you about this. Okay, so we were going off set on Sunday. We've got a late show that we do every Sunday as our a 30-minute sports show. And as we were going off set, our sports director, who's going up there with our photographer tomorrow, um, said, I'll make sure to have some of the shrimp cocktail for you. I said, where where the hell this, what? I, I don't know the story yes. behind this. I know, I call me naive. I just, you, you again, don't I know haven't been up there. I, I need to know, like, uh, what is this Kayla, about? We need to get you there. I oh know. What right. is this? How do I not know this? So St. Elmo's is an Indianapolis staple. It is okay. a classic steakhouse. Um, it's like a charbroiled steak. Like it's got the, the sear of the grill marks in it. Yeah. Very good steak. You know, they give you an old school martini. That's like five mm. ounces of vodka oh, with some lemon wow. ju- or some olive juice splashed in it. Oh, um, wow. You know, it's, it's one of those spots. White tablecloth, the whole deal. Very nice, very upscale. It's an institution. What they are known for is the shrimp cocktail. I'm allergic to shrimp, uh, but oh. I've seen the shrimp cocktail a million times. So I've never never had the shrimp itself. I've had the cocktail sauce, but um, <laughs> it is, I mean, they're colossal, big ass shrimp. Wow. And the cocktail sauce has so much horseradish in it. It'll clear out all your, like your nose will literally be running. Your sinuses what? are clearing like instantaneously. Um, the cocktail sauce is so famous that they bottle what? it, and I bet you you could go to your local grocery store, and if not there, you could go to Costco and find it. Dang. And is it just St. Yeah. Elmo's cocktail sauce? Yep, that's how it's branded. Uh, I get it from Costco. Um, I put that bleep on anything. I sound like Frank's Red Hot right Do now. Do you but really? St. Elmo's <laughs> cocktail sauce. I, I mean, I will put that's that great. on chicken. I'll oh put it on God. fish, of course. I've dipped steak in that damn cocktail sauce. It's that good. Okay. Well, this is a, this is good that I got the background of it because, again, I kept hearing things, and I just really never knew that, like, that was a thing. And when you go to the combine, like, if you don't get the shrimp cocktail, like, you're not part of the gang. Like, you're just yes. not. You know? So I'll, I'll give you two things here because, you know, I lived in Indy for a year. Um, so the St. Elmo's is the place to go to. And at the national championship, which was in Indy for football this year, um, they had uh, the shrimp cocktail in the press box for media. Like that's that's what they're known for. That's their brand. If you cannot, if you go to Indianapolis and you cannot get into St. Elmo's, you need to go to Harry and Izzy's. That is the sister restaurant. It is essentially the same menu. You can get the same shrimp cocktail. You can get the same signature cocktails. Harry and Izzy's is essentially St. Elmo's. Uh, It's just a sister restaurant, a little bit of a different brand. Um, A little more casual, you can get in there. Nice bar. Great for things like March Madness. Um, You really enjoy it there. So that's number one. But number two, and this is going to... Ruffle some feathers for people that love Uh-oh. St. Elmo's. The spot you really want to go to in Indianapolis in terms of steakhouses is Prime 47. Okay, I've heard Prime of 47 is the best steakhouse in Indianapolis, in my humble opinion. Interesting. So those of you yes. listening that are Indianapolis food snobs, you know, maybe, maybe and then, he's raising some uh, eyebrows here. 
That's exactly it. And then, and then, if you want something more casual, and this is a walk away from uh, Lucas Oil Stadium, it's more of like a cafeteria vibe. Um, it's a delicatessen called Shapiro's. Um, I would go there any day. I, I used to go there twice a week when I lived in Indy. Uh, get a Reuben. You will thank me if you do so. It is some of the best deli sandwiches you could ever consume. Shapiro's is the name. Um, anybody else looking for any other spots in Indy, holler at your boy. Well, that's what I was going to say. If you're wondering why he knows so much about Indianapolis food is because he played there. So that's why, folks. Yeah. I mean, yeah. He, it's a great or, city, though. It's it's great for events yeah, and different things. It is. The hotel situation's awesome. You can walk just about anywhere. Everywhere. Yeah. That's um funny story before we let, we let you guys go on this episode is, do you know that the last two years, the only place that we have traveled as a sports team is Indianapolis? So seriously, seriously, because, you know, the pandemic hit and we, we stopped travel. And then once things kind of slowly came back, we didn't really travel with the Titans at all. Um, the only trip that I made this last year was Indianapolis. I got to go to Indy to cover the game. And then before that, uh, myself and my colleague, we actually covered March Madness in Indy for our entire company. So we were in Indy for March Madness. So we, I got, to, I've got to experience Indy, but it's really funny because it's the only place we've been in the last Seriously. two years. Yeah, it's it's kind of we we joked about it today because guess who's going up this week? The photog and, and our sports director. So again, the Indy, the Indy, uh, uh, what is it called? Fad continues, I guess. <laughs> I'm telling you, oh. Kayla, if you if you can get another assignment covering something in Indy, definitely do it, and I will shoot you a list of See? places to visit to get some good grub. I'm going to. You know, I love to eat. Yep. So, and I'm going to because I, I I had a couple couple chances to get out there on the last trip uh, to Indy. The March Madness trip, though, we weren't even allowed to go out to eat, so that was a bummer. So yeah, I would definitely hit you up for that, and you can hit Joshua up for anything Indy if you're going to the combine or you're just in Indy for some big, huge event that they always are holding. Um, well, we appreciate you guys tuning in for this episode of Press Pass. Hopefully you got a little bit more familiar with the behind the scenes of the NFL Combine. I really love this time of year because it's always great to pick Joshua's brain since he was able to you know, actually be there and share his stories of what it's like. So uh, you guys enjoy watching the Combine and all the, the good stuff that comes along with it this week. And join us next week for another episode of Press Pass. Joshua, where they can go, where can they go to find you? On At RIP underscore J-E-P, R-I-P underscore J-E-P. Holler at your boy because we got some content. Oh, yeah. And you can find me at Kayla Anderson TV. Yeah, you've been active on Twitter here. Um, so bring it at him. Bring it at him, folks. We appreciate you guys. Take care.